I am blessed with so many opportunities and the right to dream and do whatever I find to be inspiring. I want that opportunity for every girl around the world. Hey guys, it's your girl, Ashley Graham, and you are listening to Business Life and Coffee Podcast with your boy, Joey Price. Hello, and thank you for tuning into another episode of the Business Life and Coffee podcast. This is probably going to be the most fascinating conversation that I've had in 2018 thus far because the awesome Danielle Wood is joining us to talk about space exploration, some of the work that she's doing in the Media Lab at MIT. And we're going to talk about just thinking differently about space and the technologies that are used in space and their applications here on Earth. A little fun fact about Danielle is that she has a TED Talk with over a million views. On top of that, she also worked at NASA Goddard. And recently, she had an interview with Justin Trudeau. Danielle, thanks for coming on to the show today. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure. Yeah. Well, and so we met at a conference back in February, uh, the Dent Conference, where you were a speaker. And I just thought it was super cool that you're doing all of these interesting things with space technology that honestly were never on my radar. And so for our listeners today, could you sort of talk about Space Enabled and some of the work that you're doing? It's a pleasure. I'm happy to do so. I lead a research group at the MIT Media Lab, which is an interdisciplinary environment where there's faculty leading groups in all kinds of fields. My group is called Space Enabled, and our mission is to advance justice in Earth's complex systems using designs enabled by space. What this means is that we are using technology from space to support the sustainable development goals defined by the United Nations. In fact, they're really defined by every country in the world who has agreed that these are the 17 key issues of our era that we'll work on between now and 2030. The Sustainable Development Goals include ending extreme poverty and ensuring that everyone has access to food, clean water, health care, sustainable cities, and a sustainable environment. So many of these goals can be supported by technology from space. And there are six particular technologies that I want to share with the listeners. They include satellite-based Earth observation, satellite communication and positioning, as well as microgravity research, meaning we learn about the human body and about how plants and animals and the materials behave when they're orbiting the Earth and not affected by gravity. We also talk about applying technology transfer, where there are things invented for space and then transferred back to other sectors on Earth. And my last technology is really the inspiration that we all gain from space research and education. In the Space Enabled Research Group, I bring together people with six kinds of skills who are masters and PhD students, as well as professional researchers. And we work together by combining design, art, and social science with engineering, data science, and complex system modeling. We do this because we believe that to really meet the sustainable development goals, we need this whole variety of ways of thinking. The three social steps will help us understand what humans really need, especially in local communities and at national government level. And then we want to say, given those needs and the aspirations of people to bring development to their own communities, how can we apply space technology of the six kinds I mentioned in a way that really is human-centered? Our goal is to then not start new development projects, but to partner with organizations at multiple levels who are already doing great development work and help them add space technology to their activities. This means we work with multilateral organizations like the United Nations. In fact, we just recently signed a memorandum of agreement with the United Nations Development Program. We also work with national governments and local and regional governments. 
And I love working with entrepreneurs, especially entrepreneurs doing startup work in the regions of Africa and Latin America. They are some of my favorite partners because they are working creatively to really address local needs. And Danielle, what is so impressive and honestly inspiring about work that you're doing and honestly your story and your personal mission is the fact that you found a way to take what you're good at and help people in a way that isn't traditionally looked at. And so what that means is, at least for me, my takeaway is that no matter what industry you're in, you can find ways to help alleviate poverty. You can find ways to help bring economic justice to people in need. You can find ways to help make clean water. Like no matter what industry you're in, you can play your part. So I think that's deeply inspiring. I really agree. In fact, I'd love for each person to look at their own life and say, in what ways are they personally supporting sustainable development goals? The goals are so broad that every person really can find their work there. Maybe find several goals that they say, in my daily life, I'm doing something to meet this goal. And underneath the 17 headlines, there's 169 detailed indicators. They could even go down and say, what particular indicator am I helping with? Is it helping to ensure that children are living longer and having better life expectancies? Going to ensure that we are knowing exactly how much forest we have and maintaining those forests. There's a topic for everybody. Yeah. So I will turn the spotlight on you a little bit and ask you, when you get out of bed in the morning and you're on your way into work, which of these goals excites you the most? Ah, that's the magic question. Now, on one <laughs> hand, I will say that when I think about Space Enabled, we're actually going to be flexible to work across all the goals because we're really going to be methods-driven and partner-driven, meaning we have these six methods, which are design, art, social science, complex systems, engineering, and data science. And we theorize, we believe that these tools could be used across many goals. And we actually don't want to go to a development team and say, hey, we're working on goal 10 for you. We'd rather them tell us they're working on goal 10. So then we tend to respond based on what the partner is saying. Okay. Of course, I can personally have an interest in my favorite goal. Yeah. And right now I'm having a lot of fun thinking about goal 15. Because goal 15 is about life on land. And it really links to so much of our daily experience. It includes what's happening in our rivers, our forests, our lakes, and our fields. And I love the fact that we can use data from space to observe what's happening in all of the environments, not just pictures, but measurements of rainfall and of soil moisture and of the health of vegetation. And we can find out what's happening in wetlands, for example, or mangrove forests. These are special environments that are both habitats to many animals and birds, but they're also places that really keep our environment pristine by helping be a place that preserves the special water or biodiversity that makes our places so beautiful to live in. That's what I'm thinking about most these days. But generally speaking, I could switch to a new one depending on, <laughs> on the day. No, and I feel like that's what helps make your work feel immensely personally rewarding is the fact that you're reaching out and touching all these ways that impact our life as humans and plants and animals that live alongside us. Again, let me reset a little bit. Uh, this is Dr. Danielle Wood, and she is the leader of the Space Enabled Research Group at the MIT Media Lab, where she works to tear down the barriers that limit the benefits of space exploration to only the few, the rich, or the elite. And Danielle, you're leading this diverse team, and I'm sure it is diverse ethnically, academically, and you've already mentioned the six disciplines that you bring together to help drive change. How do you manage these people, these different disciplines? What's your secret as far as getting everyone to coalesce and uh, work towards a common goal? You're right. It definitely is a diverse team in multiple senses of life experience, ethnicity, and race, as well as the particular disciplines people bring. The first aspect of management for me has been selection. 
And I have to say, I'm pretty lucky that I had an amazing group of people to select in terms of students who are applying to join Space Enabled as master's and PhD level students, as well as selecting people to serve as full-time researchers under the team. In this case, thanks to, I think, the reputation of the Media Lab as an excellent place to move one's career forward, people were willing to apply to join my team, even though they had already started their own companies. They were already successfully working for over a decade in the government. They were already able to lead activities at a high level. And to be honest, they didn't necessarily need school, but they saw joining this vision of Space Enabled as part of their future plans. So the first step is try to be an organization that people really want to join because of the vision, not just because of the titles. Now, as I bring together this team, I'm not just asking individual designers, artists, little scientists, and engineers to come together. I am proposing that we create an integrated design process that will be unique to us, but that we can also transfer and share with the partners. And so I'm asking each person to be a leader in their own particular field and to learn a second field and to work alongside their colleagues and always expect to be learning from everyone else. So in our process, design, art, and social science are the first key pieces. Early in our process of working with a partner for development, we start by asking what are the human needs and what's the historical and economic situation and context of the situation. That means we can apply the rigorous tools from social science, especially anthropological interviewing and the tools used to harness physical data or detailed interviews that let us understand the historical situation. There's a lot of rigor in that background, and part of what we're doing is each person with a different background respects the rigor of the other professionals. We also will actually practice art as part of our research. The artists will lead that part of our activity. They will create their own art, but also lead us, even non-artists, in, in terms of practicing the, the craft of art, because that will cause us to think about the human aspects of the problems before the technology aspects. Then we'll bring in complex system modelers, system engineers, and data scientists who will start to create and invent new tools informed by all the social and humanistic thinking. So part of the key thing about leading this team is respecting each of the experts that I'm bringing together, asking them and modeling for them how to respect each other, modeling excellent listening, both within the team and with our external partners. And ultimately, letting ourselves kind of handle uncertainty, meaning we go into the projects with partners, not quite knowing how we're going to work together to create an outcome. We trust the process and we trust each other as wise people. And that means that what we create together will be something valuable and beautiful, even though we may need to change it and evolve it over time. Well, Danielle, you just taught a masterclass in leadership and you may not have realized it, but it was full of valuable wisdom for our listeners that they could take not just from your experience, but to translate that into the work that they're doing in their jobs and in their communities and even on volunteer teams, because I know that volunteer teams often you assemble a group of diverse individuals from unique backgrounds and with different skill sets. Is there any particular challenge or opportunity that you're excited about working on uh, that you'd care to share with our listeners? I'd love to share about one of the key projects we're doing with an entrepreneur in West Africa in the country of Benin. It's a great example of why I'm looking forward to working with startup companies that see development as part of their mandate. I have the pleasure to work with a company called Green Keeper Africa. I met them through an entrepreneurship conference hosted by the United States government and the government of India. Now, Greenkeeper Africa is responding to several challenges in their community outside the city of Cotonou and Benin. They're concerned about an invasive plant species that causes it to be difficult for local fisher families, fishermen and women, to find the fish because the invasive plant actually blocks the water and it makes it hard to move their boats around. Now, this plant is a water hyacinth, and it actually has some good properties. It filters water, and when you put it in an area, it can also absorb either water or absorb oil out of water and absorb oil out of soil. So this company 
is actually harvesting the plant. They pay local people to harvest. They convert it into a product that can be used by factories or those who operate fleets of trucks to absorb oil when it is spilled either on a factory floor or in the environment. This means that they're both creating a source of revenue for people affected by the plant and they're creating an eco-friendly product made out of natural materials that helps clean oil waste. When I met the company, they were explaining their business model, and I was very inspired. They explained that they also have a challenge because it's hard to predict where this water hyacinth plant will bloom and the extent of the bloom. And so we are working together to create an observatory of this invasive plant species to create publicly shared data that can be used by the government, by local communities, and by the company itself. It will allow them to be more efficient as they plan where to collect the plant and to think about just the right balance of maintaining the plant to be healthy but not have it overtake the area. It means we'll combine satellite-based Earth observation in order to get pictures from space of the plant. We'll also use satellite-based positioning. If they move around, they can tag where they see it. We'll help set up tools such as simple sensors that can go in the water or on nearby boats or houses to observe where the plant is. And it includes understanding how the state of the water, such as the level of nitrogen and the pH balance, affect the plant growth. Ultimately, they'll become the local experts on this plant's behavior and share that information publicly, which will be good for everyone and will help reduce the negative impacts of the plant. It's a great example of SDG number 15, because in fact, one of the key aspects of number 15 is to reduce the impact of invasive plant species, self-insure biodiversity in wetland areas, and to ensure that the valuable mangrove forests are able to thrive. So we're contributing to all those areas, and it'll spread from the company to the local university and to the local government agencies with this benefit. Wow, that is fascinating. And it reminds me of a quote that says, if you're a hammer, every problem looks like a nail. But you are taking this holistic problem-solving approach where you're looking at a challenge and then finding multiple ways to add value to the solution. I think that's deeply fascinating. In our, it's in our, key, though, because actually yeah. I have to be a little careful. I don't want to be the hammer carrier because if I go around saying everyone needs my satellite technology, I can be in danger of actually harming development projects. What I try to do instead is use our design, art, and social science to find out what do communities really need. And if that reveals that they actually do not need a satellite or any of my satellite data, I need to respect that as well. <laughs> because it would be easy to go around and just tell everyone that they need my, my technology. But instead, I, what I hope to do is find out what local leaders, whether they're entrepreneurs or government agencies, would like to do to create the vision of their future that they want. And I think often it will involve this technology, but when it does not, I will respect their Oh, that's great. That's great. And in our final, my final uh, moments with you here, there's a book, Simon Sinek says, uh, start with why. But I, I think I'd like to end with why. And in your final words, you could share how people could get in contact with the Space Enabled Research Group in the Media Lab at MIT uh, and how that people can get in contact with you and learn more about your work. But also, if you could close with your why about why this work is so important personally to you. To learn more about our work at Space Enabled, please follow us on Twitter at space underscore enabled, as well as on Instagram at space.enabled. Also, we have a website, which is just spaceenabled.media.mit.edu. And if you haven't seen the TED Talk, it is a nice summary of the key ways that technology from space is already being used to support life on Earth. The reason I do this work is actually due to my own personal journey. For years as an undergraduate, I was having a double life. I spent my semesters studying space engineering and learning how to create spacecraft that can operate in space. But I spent my summers volunteering in Kenya and really being concerned with the future of opportunities for young girls of color that look a lot like me. 
And I wanted to have a career in which I really combined these two concerns. But I do is to make sure that every little girl, no matter where she grows up, could look at her situation and say, how could I use technology or literature or art or politics to make my world better? And it's not fair that today it's so difficult for many young girls around the world to dream and to have ambitions of using their gifts and their skills to make the world better. There's so many barriers they face. So that's really why. That's why I do this work, because I am blessed with so many opportunities and the right to dream and do whatever I find to be inspiring. I want that opportunity for every girl around the world. If you've recently started a business, why take away time from what you're good at, only to focus on difficult, pesky HR problems? Jumpstart HR LLC offers a better solution. Jumpstart HR provides HR outsourcing support to U.S.-based small businesses and startups and was recently ranked among the top 10 HR outsourcing firms in the country, according to businessnewsdaily.com. From recruitment to employee handbooks to legal compliance, Jumpstart HR helps you get peace of mind about the people in your business. Visit jumpstart-hr.com for more information or follow on Twitter at jumpstarthr. Jumpstart HR. Let's build a better business together. Thanks for listening to the Business Life and Coffee Show with Joey Price. We hope you're inspired to become the best version of yourself after listening to our guest. What thought or idea stood out the most to you? Keep the conversation going by tweeting the show at BizLifeCoffee or our host at Joey V. Price HR with the hashtag BLC Moments. And if you like what you just heard, pass along our podcast to at least five people. Detailed show notes can be found at www.businesslifeandcoffee.com. And our full archive is available on iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher, and Google Play. This has been a Jumpstart HR production. Join us next time for another edition of the Business Life and Coffee Show.